With this statement, the mask has slipped and they have been unveiled not not as a group primarily invested in in caring for abuse survivors, but as a group that's advocating for for heresy. Welcome to the Stand Firm Podcast. It is Wednesday, September 13th, 2023. We record on Wednesdays and post on Fridays. Things always seem to happen on Thursdays. So I'm going to be mentioning the date from now on so you, our loyal listener, can know when we said what we said and what we might have known or not known when we said it. I'm Nick Lannon of Grace Anglican Church in Louisville, Kentucky, and I'm here as always with Matt Kennedy of the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd in Binghamton, New York, and J.D. Koch of St. Luke's Anglican Church on Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. How are you guys today? Excellent. We are great, Nick. Thanks. Good to know. I have I have objective proof of the existence of Satan. I don't know if you if you guys experienced this, but our dinner tables are wild, like loudness, shouting, sometimes hilarity, often annoyance. But the moment we try to sit down to evening prayer, it's like everyone's falling asleep and everyone gets very interested in like their toenails and fingernails. It's like it's amazing how evening prayer is attacked at the family level. I'm sure you guys have experienced this. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yes. This was why um, we stopped doing that. <laughs> <laughs> we actually, we, 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 we said, okay, from now on, you're going to the actual church Bible studies that we lead, and that's going to be your Bible study. You're going to go to these, we're just going to take all of our kids there so that, I don't get frustrated and yell at them and make them hate the Bible. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I was going to say the alternative is you could have a family verger, you know, with a yeah, stick, with a stick. Uh, walk around <laughs> prodding and poking people to stay awake. That's, oh, but um, the kids would get too into the verger role. They'd, they'd fight about who gets to be the verger that week. That's right. That's right. Try to get each other verged or whatever. <laughs> so, well, that sounds wise, Matt. Yeah, it's worked. They're all Christians. I haven't had to yell at them about the Bible, so it's good. Except for the, you know, I'm hellfire and brimstone that you yell at them every Sunday morning. That's well, right. except for that, right? Yeah, of course. But the, so their their um, their mother is a kind one, though. So she's mm. like, I'm the bad cop, and she's the good cop. So that's by design. There's actually. probably some scriptural warrant there, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, guys. The organization calling itself ACNA2, T-O-O, which we should stress has no affiliation with the ACNA, has come out with a, quote, statement of commitment to LGBTQ plus abuse survivors. In it, they do various things to distance themselves from the ACNA and to align themselves with so-called sexual minorities. Now, the statement is a compendium of justice lingo marginalized communities, the cultivation of safe spaces, queer image bearers, and cisgender heterosexual experience, just to name a few. And at the end, they offer six things that LGBTQ plus abuse survivors can expect from their organization. It's not a long statement, but there is a ton of stuff in it that needs to be addressed. But I wanted to start with the first sentence that follows the introduction, though we can circle back to the introduction if you all want to. Here's how ACNA2 identifies itself. Quote, our team members hold a range of personal views on gender and sexuality, and we are a mix of sexual and gender minorities and people of primarily cisgender heterosexual experience. 
end quote. Anything in there that might be an issue for an organization <laughs> seeking to police a biblically orthodox church? Well, I mean, all of the language they use is is taken directly from queer theory, which assumes and embraces the the, the whole ideology of a gender spectrum. That there's you no know, there's there's no such thing as just the gender binary. It's uh, it's everybody is. Everybody's on this kind of spectrum that ranges from well, all, you know, if you, our listener knows what the spectrum is. Um, it's represented on the flag that is waved ubiquitously throughout the country. Um, but to even accept that that the philosophical moorings of queer theory is to take a step outside of Orthodox Christianity. Once you've accepted that it's, God does not has not just made them male and female, but that you 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 can identify as something apart from what your God-given biological sex is. Then you've cast dispersions on on the God who created uh, the human race. You, you've you've set yourself against Him actually, and and you're undercutting His order. So even using language like this tells us this is not a Christian organization. It I, I think that uh, there may have been some who who've read the some of the critiques ACNA two has put out about the abuse situation or the the alleged uh, alleged abuse. Uh, not the, I know that Bishop Rock has not been accused of abuse, but the alleged um, negligence of Bishop Rock right. um, in his in his um, his diocese, and they may have been kind of drawn in by by some of the narratives that this group has has put forth, and and no doubt they they have presented themselves as primarily concerned for those who have been actually sexually abused in in that diocese and elsewhere. Um, but I think this I think this this statement, uh, ha- and with this statement, the mask has slipped, and they have been unveiled not not as a group primarily invested in in caring for abuse survivors, but as a group that's advocating for for heresy and for the the deconstruction of biblical sexual ethics in in the ACNA. And I, I I've, I've been suspicious of this group from the beginning, but this is this is this is the first explicit undeniable uh, moment in which they have revealed that that they are in fact should not be considered a christian organization and much less an organization that in any way represents people in the acna yeah i mean this is the least surprising um statement uh from from this group that i could imagine i mean i <laughs> it's really and so i you know, it, it goes back, I think we spoke about this maybe out from the beginning, you know, one of the problems with this group is not that they have um, a concern, as we pointed out, about genuine abuse. I mean, who who doesn't have a concern about this, you know, but the problem is, is that when this question of harm is expanded to, you know, essentially, um, you know, well, theological convictions and or simple disagreements, well, then it minimizes the actual uh, arguments of genuine harm. You know, it actually starts starts elevating, you know, perhaps conviction over sin to the level of harm, uh, which then puts in peril, you know, people's actual claims to 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 genuine you know, physical harm. I mean, there is such a thing as spiritual violence and harm, but uh, simply preaching the the law of God um, and having it do its work by conviction and 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 bringing about holy guilt and shame is not harm. I mean, that's that's part of the design. And so, you know, when you read through this, you you see just the extension of this, the, the, the semantic domain of harm, you know, has expanded to the point where it's almost meaningless unless you're simply defining it as something that makes me uncomfortable or something that make, brings me up short. 
And so when we read, you know, this, all, I mean, like you said before, uh, you know, that we are a mix of sexual and gender minorities and people of primary cisgender heterosexual experience. I mean, you get into the, you, you, well, I mean, that about says it all, because whatever comes after that is within the confines of a worldview, for lack of a better word, that, that accepts all of those terminology, all that terminology as, as valid, in which case the preceding, the following argument will be on its face invalidated <laughs> because because your, your your set of assumptions is at least from a christian perspective uh decidedly unchristian and so it's un you know again it's unsurprising that this group that has defined harm in such a way that would then now seek to encompass all of the harm that the acna is causing via its commitment to traditional gender and sexual morality of course that's harmful because it it calls those things sinful and that's um a, you know a step too far it is ironic in the extreme, so much so that I wonder if it was somehow intentional in a counterintuitive way that this statement is released the week that Matthew 18 is our gospel lectionary reading. This statement seems to seek to problematize the act of going to a brother or sister in Christ and telling them that they are in sin, at least in a sexual sin. It seeks to make the actual gospel lesson unenforceable. Right. I mean, it seems to me, it seems to say that the ideal church is one in which the person who is engaging in some kind of sexual activity with someone of the same sex or, or whatever, outside, outside of the bonds of actual marriage, should feel safe. Right. And and they use that language. You, you go to these church, if you go to a church that's calling out sin, you're going to feel unsafe in that environment and unaccepted. And, and in that in the context of the statement, that's you're you all you have been you are you've been subject to abuse, you've been bullied, you have been you've been mistreated by the ACNA, and we 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 are standing up for you because you've been abused. I mean, I think I think JD's absolutely right about the about the uh, widening scope of, of various terms of abuse, not just in this particular letter, but in the entire grievance narrative. I mean, abuse, trauma, harm, all of those words. The semantic domain has been, <laughs> been extended yeah. far beyond the you know the actual what the what the words actually mean. Was that one paragraph? Uh, I think it's the middle one or uh, one, two, three, four. I think um, where it says we also acknowledge that the church has frequently perpetrated or enabled uh, the abuse of queer image bearers. <laughs> Just the language. Uh, LGBTQ people have been. Okay, now get this list. Threatened, harassed, shamed, ostracized, fired, bullied, beaten, murdered, and subjected to exorcism, shock, shock, shock therapy, and other inhuman acts, often by people who, who identify as, as, as Christian. So notice <laughs> you go from one extreme of murder, right, That's the, to the other of being shamed or harassed or ostracized or fired, which which I think would, if a, an Orthodox church were to say, hey, you need to repent, that would be classified under harassed, shamed, ostracized. That's and if right. someone is in a same-sex relationship oh. was going to try and get a job at a church and not get a job, that would be qualified as fired or at least uh, job discrimination of some sort. Well, and they would want to say, hey, Matt Kennedy, those are two separate sentences. We also acknowledge that the church has frequently perpetrated or enabled the abuse of queer image bearers, period. That's one thought. Now we can move on to say 
LGBTQ plus people have been threatened, harassed, shamed, ostracized, fired, bullied, beaten, murdered, and subjected. Like they're now talking about anything that has ever happened to LGBTQ plus people anywhere. And they're able to do that because of the period, but they've put the church in your mind so that you're connecting them. Yep. Yep. Well, and then that, well, they, they have that hyphen at the end of the second sentence often by people who identify as Christians. Right. Um, But yeah, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm fully, I'm fully happy to say the people who are living in sexual sin have been mistreated in a physical way. They've been beaten, murdered, all that kind of thing. And that's terrible. It should never happen. Um, That's a sin against the people that God made. Absolutely. But again, what are we, how are we defining harassed, shamed, ostracized? And how are we defining the church? How like name when the ACNA has participated in that? Well, they did come close with the Bishop statement. I mean, that was, uh, which still remains to this day. Like the, the, I mean, that was the shot heard around the world. I mean, that, you know, I mean, I remember our podcast right after that, like, not that I, not that I didn't think they were up to it, but I was, um, you know, we were, we were appropriately gratified and thankful for the clarity of that statement. And that was, I think you could look back at that as the beginning of the unraveling for the, what is the uh, primal scream went up from the uh, progressive former <laughs> Baptists who, the, uh, who became ACNA thinking that this was the, this was the um, kinder, gentler, way to have communion every sunday and it's just been it's been wonderful to watch um in a certain sense just the sort of one the refusal of our bishops to cave on some of these convictions you know that's been i've been very grateful for them because you know say whatever you want about you know no one has the perfect theology except except you you know so i mean i understand that there's differences of opinion across the uh oneself i meant i mean that was a joke that was a that was a, at any rate you know despite the despite the the relative breadth of differences amongst the bishops they have remained you know steadfastly resolute on these convictions and that's that's been great and it's been they they keep getting corrected. Um, you know, you're not being, you're not listening to us. You're not listening to us. And they have refused to step back, but it continues to be a source of contention for, for this group who, you know, as far as I know, is, is still anonymous in its com- composition, right? And the fact that they're speaking, you know, as quote unquote members of the ACNA or even as Christians, um, well, it's, it's questionable, uh, I think, to put it lightly at this point, um, because one wonders, you know, I wonder, I mean, who, the, the end of this seems to simply be to, you know, sort of bring down the ACNA or at least, or at least severely uh, hobble it uh, because, you know, there are ways to have these conversations, even, even to the extent there might be some, some genuine concern about certain, well, so there might be some, some legitimacy to some of these concerns that someone who actually wanted the success and the health of the church to, could, they could put these forward, but this is not the way. This is um, just a sort of a, a bald um, statement of, of um, contempt and, and dismay with the state of the ACNA. I mean, if there's anyone from ACNA to listening, I just would encourage you to have the integrity to put something put the statement in a maybe a letter open letter format and allow your supporters to sign their names to it uh so that they can identify themselves as supporters of this thing because we like to know i mean it's good it's good for if especially if there are any acna clergy who are in your organization i one commenter on the unofficial acna page said that there were over he understood there were over 30 acna acna clergy associated uh with this movement and i'm not sure what that means by associated with it maybe just favoring but i don't know what that means but i would love i think it'd be really it'd be a a service and an aid to uh your cause to 
gather as many signatures as you can, make it public so we can all see it, so we can all see who these people are who would support uh, this position, and and let, let the chips fall where they may. Dead, well, we can talk about it then. I mean, we yeah, can talk about absolutely. it. I mean, that's like, it's just like right. when the bishop statement came out, you know, there was clearly people that disagreed with that, and there was an actually fruitful conversation that took place, certainly within our diocese, you know, amongst different people, different... And it was it was a deepening of the bonds of affection, if not uh, seeing eye to eye. And I think, right. um, you know, that would be something that I was referencing that would be a positive way of, of even bringing this up. I mean, you know, I can't imagine a world where I would want to be in a church that officially adopted this type of um, understanding of the human person. You know, we were there and we left. And so uh, that being said... If there is anyone in here who would like to, um, you know, try to convince me otherwise or, or convince us otherwise, well, I mean, there's forthright ways to do that. And then there's this. Three of the six promises that this statement holds out to LGBTQ plus, quote unquote, survivors are explicitly unchristian. <laughs> One is that we will respect and use your pronouns of preference. Two is that we will not engage in any type of proselytizing or judgment. And three, if you prefer, we will connect you with one of the fully affirming advocates on our team. Those are explicitly anti-gospel promises, all of them. Well, the first one you mentioned enables a person in a lie that will send a person to hell. The use of a pronoun helps someone deceive themselves about who they are, who God made them to be. Um, and then not engaging any type of proselytizing or judgment also <laughs> further keeps that person from ever having to hear the truth. We promise not to introduce it. you to your savior. Yeah, we, right. We, we probably, right. And then, and, and then if you prefer, we'll connect you with one of the fully affirming advocates on our team. And we'll also get you into the hands of a wolf. We'll just, we'll, 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 right. oh, we'll let the wolf open its mouth and stick you right there in the fangs and, and let him carry you away. That's, suppose it's, it's worth saying just, that this organization doesn't claim to be Christian. It's just that they have our denomination's acronym in their name that is so If they don't claim to be Christian, they should take – that's right. That's right. They should, if they don't claim to be Christian, they should take the ACNA out of their name because because that's false advertising. Well, um, I, you know, I think that they're just re- replacing Me Too with ACNA2 and any organization in which they can in which anyone can allege abuse you can have an organization with that name too Two. right <laughs> yeah well i mean it may be the case but i'll i'll put it this way uh no ACNA person should have anything to do with this organization uh, and no one who's no one who's a christian should have anything to do with this organization that is actively actively leading people into the darkness and into 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 sin that will keep them out of the kingdom of God. Uh, nobody should be part of this. Uh, going back to like what 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 um <laughs> what JD was pointing out um about the the bishop's statement, this line I thought I thought was really interesting. Uh, we denounce the ACNA's refusal to oppose atrocities committed against LGBT people as exemplified by the ACNA, by ACNA Bishop Foley Beach's recent appeal to cultural relativism to avoid condemning Uganda's draconian anti-homosexuality act. And that was big news about, what was it, a month ago or two, or maybe, maybe longer. But it is interesting how they describe the outcome of this law, which does include the death penalty for, for aggravated homosexuality, which is uh, having homosexual sex with an, a minor um, or a disabled person. 
and they call uh, the death penalty in that case an atrocity, mm-hmm. which also is telling with regard to their understanding of the law of God. If, if that's an atrocity, how would they describe God's command to stone people who are caught in adultery or people who are who are engaging in homosexual relationships? That's not a, that also is just a, a fundamentally unchristian way of talking about about the scriptures. You can disagree with Uganda's law, but on on like pragmatic grounds, practical grounds, but you can't say it's it's evil. Once you do that, you've called God evil. You've implicated him in in evil because that law flows directly from, uh, or at least is consistent, com- clearly consistent with what God has said regarding that those behaviors in the Old Testament. What, if any, response do you think the ACNA or its leadership owes to a statement like this? I mean, I don't think that there's any, I, I don't think they should uh, respond to it, but I do think they can safely ignore the ACNA2 uh, movement now. Whereas I think, I think when it first burst onto the scene, ACNA2 was a force to be reckoned with, or at least it was considered one by, by many in the leadership, uh, at least people that I've, I've spoken to. Uh, but now they've marginalized themselves. I think they should, at least they, that should be the case. They, there's, there's no reason why you should have any, any response to or relationship with or interaction with ACNA2 as an organization. Um, there are people in ACNA2 who are in the victim list who need to be, uh, discuss, who need to be involved in conversations in the process of the trial that's ongoing with Bishop Ruck, but the organization itself is totally discredited and has should have no uh, no standing at all. I still, I, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I know you, you said people, and I'm, I'm there was a question, you were taking it seriously, but I, I still, like I said in the beginning, find this to be the least surprising move, um, you know, that, or at least it's, it's revealing in a way that I think is the least surprising. I'm actually surprised that they came out with something like this for that very reason, Matt, that it would invalidate a lot of their other sort of claims to sort of righteous indignation because no one from the very beginning has been discounting um, the need to to find where genuine abuse and actual harm has been committed and perpetrated and to prosecute that to the fullest extent of the law. I mean, that's that's something we... And to fix any systems that may have led to its perpetuation. That's right. I'm grateful for that. I mean, I know I don't know about y'all's diocese, but we certainly have people that have have looked again at our processes and our things. And I'm grateful for that as a rector. You know, we have we have all sorts of people that come in and out. And I'm grateful that there's um, people who are helping me, you know, helping the other rectors um, navigate this this complicated minefield for the sake of the people who will, you know, hopefully, God forbid, but in the event that someone is harmed, then be the perpetrator be brought to justice. That being said. You know, there seems to have been from the very beginning a malice, um, not a a Christian seeking justice, but a sort of a retributive malice um, at the heart of this, which which now turns out uh, to have been, uh, well, this has been validated through the idea that ever since, at the very least, the bishop statement, there's been this simmering uh, rejection of traditional Christian uh, teaching on sexuality that has um, that has apparently been been festering in this organization and now has finally come to light. And so I'm grateful at the very least that there's been that we can sort of, like you said, Matt, um, we can we, we know who we're dealing with at this point. 
But I certainly don't think there should be any um, sort of defensive res response to this particular issue. You know, there has been a great amount of response to the what's going on in the upper Midwest and, you know, the trial. And there's all sorts of reaction and response. And, you know, I have no knowledge of that um, other than what has been published. And so we don't really have much place to comment other than to say people have certainly been taking that situation seriously. I mean, I think there's no question about that. But to this extent, I mean, I think if I were the bishops, I would just say, well, I'm sorry you disagree with the underlying fundamental convictions that formed this province, and we bless you in your search for a um, more affirming, uh, quote-unquote, church um, or something of that nature. But in terms of actually responding to this, this claim of having harmed people by uh, refusing to affirm them, well, you can just dismiss that out of hand. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. I, I do think there would be a great benefit to the church if you had an, or, an organization that had you know, clearly orthodox principles, biblical principles in its constitution. I mean, that, that could help people who have been through abuse. I mean, uh, it seems like that the whole category of abuse survivor care has been overtaken by by people who are either not Christian or very confused Christians who who don't care for people biblically or um, in, in ways that um, would actually help them heal and grow closer to Jesus. But instead, it's I think it seems to be populated with a lot of people who are aggrieved at the church and who want to separate people from the church and cause and cause them to hate the church. That seems like that's the that's the emphasis on a lot of these things. I I, I meant to read. I, I think I, I read the thing about Uganda, but I meant to read a minute ago the the the, um, the statement about the bishop statement. And there it says uh, we all reject the practice of reparative conversion therapy for LGBTQ plus people, uh, and the theology underpinning it, including attempts to limit or police the self-expression of sexual minorities, such as the ACNA's January 2021 Bishop Statement. That statement, apparently, the way this reads, is a part of the theology that underpins reparative therapy. I'm not saying exactly how that logic works, but that's but that's that is the boogeyman in a lot of these statements is if you can if you can find some way to link something to, to reparative therapy and and that that language calls to mind you know shock treatment and all the horrible there were horrible things that were done to try and get people to to not have homosexual desires absolutely but but that's such a boogeyman in people's minds anything that can be linked to that is is tarred uh, tarred with it and so they're trying to do that with a statement um but when this when when the acna2 first came out or when the uh, um, when the charges and the, and the accusations against Ruck, uh, Bishop Ruck came out, you might remember that people like Scott McKnight, others who were like who were very much in, who are now really supportive of ACNA two, one of the first things they did was link Ruck to the Bishop statement. There there are all kinds of things posted on Twitter about oh, don't forget that this Bishop Ruck was the one who when, was the mastermind behind uh, behind the Bishop statement. So it's from that point. A lot of people reading that thought, oh, this is political. This attack on Bishop Ruck, setting aside, because we don't know how much truthful foundation it has to it, 
there's also clearly the motivation to, to discredit the people who are behind that statement. Okay. Um, you can see the rhetorical trick here because they do, like you say, point to reparative conversion therapy, which is a boogeyman. Although I will say for myself, I don't reject all practices of reparative or conversion sure. therapy. Right. But right. certainly it does raise the specter of terrible things. And then in the shadow of the specter of terrible things, they seek to get rid of everything. That's they right. say, and the theology underpinning it, including attempts to limit or police the self-expression of sexual minorities. So the implication of the sentence is that any attempt to limit the expression of someone who might identify as a sexual minority is out of bounds. Any attempt. That's, yeah, that's right. insane. Well, and can you imagine? I mean, this is why it always comes back to to the real question, which is the people don't actually believe any of it's sinful. Uh, because if you if you actually just sub, but, uh, replaced you know sexual expression with any other otherwise sinful expression of yourself you know murderous adulterous you know licentious slovenliness all the list of things Me you too. know you can then yeah well then you can consider that pastoral care conversation you know um, pastor I'm you know I'm I'm you know, so can't stop having murderous thoughts. I mean, you know, just go and take Jesus, for instance, you know, I can't stop wanting to kill my brother in my heart, you know, and you're just like, well, that's, we're just going to, we're going to embrace you and we're going to, we're going to infirm you because that's just, you know, your God given identity. And so, you know, you wouldn't be able to sort of counsel them to repent and confess and burn, you know, and this is, you know, I mean, it's, it's, we've had this conversation so many times. It's, it's, it's not laughable because we keep having to respond to it, but, but there does seem to be maybe this is the beginning of the end of the people that, for whatever reason, were tricked into joining the ACNA, um, thinking that it was something it wasn't. Because um, I don't have, you know, the, 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 the level of kind of um, dismay that this type of letter and it's not just this letter. I mean, you can see, you know, echoes of this type of thinking and various sure. you know people that have tweeted, you know, various sort of anonymous and people using their real names. Thankfully, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, some of them have left uh, the church, but, but this is, this is an incompatible position with the foundation and, and the relationships and the, the founding of the ACNA. Like this is incompatible with that. And so you can call it what you want. You know, we've heard it before, you know, I mean, the whole breakaway from the Episcopal church, we were the quote unquote homophobic church from the very beginning or not even breakaway, the re replanting of uh, Orthodox Anglicanism. And so if you think, you know, this type of, again, whoever's writing this, if you think this is this, this is an argument for that is gaining traction within people who um, have been, you know, insinuated and called worse than this, uh, well, it's just not working. And, and so, you know, it seems to be getting um, more fervent, this kind of reaction to, um, you know, how dare they? And it's like, well, we've counted that cost a long time ago. You know, I mean, there was a there was an enmity friendship with the world versus uh, as enmity with God was counted a long time ago. These accusations aren't, um, they, they don't land, you know, they don't, it's not like a cause for concern or alarm in sort of the direction that the ACNA is going, but it is, it is a, an annoyance, I think. And it's doubly annoying. Like we mentioned the fact that we don't know the people with whom we're speaking. And that would be, <laughs> I'm echoing your call, Matt. That'd be fun. Let's have a, Let's have a discussion about this um, out in the open. Um, but this is, um, yeah, I mean, I, when I read this, I just say, you know, this is what we left. We can at least be clear that, A, there are no sexual minorities. 
you are called to be monogamous sexually with your husband or wife if you are married and you are called to be chaste if you are single that's it that's the call to every single person there's no minority majority there one call chastity or fidelity and second i think i said a b (laughs) the call to limit sexual self-expression is the biblical mandate we are all called to limit our sexual right. self-expression. Forsaking all others from this <laughs> Amen. day forward. <laughs> this is not some fringe thing. This is the foundation of the Bible's call to man and woman united in marriage in the image of God. Well, and it's also self-absorbed. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. it's if people have never read Romans one. I mean, like this is this is this type of conversation that is just all about oneself and their own expression and their own um, sort of sense of identity and calling uh, is is the wrath of God. I mean, this is this is having been turned over. You know, you want to create yourself. You want to um, have your own rules. You want to express your own um, identity in this way. Well, we'll see how far this goes and how unfulfilling and ultimately unsatisfying that will be. So much so that you have to have such a fragile self-identity that anyone that he could dare question it must be silenced, not engaged with, but simply silenced because it's so harmful to have your all persuasive uh, self-identity, um, chosen, you know, sexual uh, identity uh, questioned, simply questioned um, is, is and, and so that just points to the fragility, uh, the impermanence, and the sadness of the wrath of God being poured out on on unbelief. And so, you know, I was listening to a podcast recently today and said the answer, the antidote to all this is not talking more about oneself but to to be upholding and and glorifying jesus more you know i mean this is like these churches that are consumed with talking about you know what has happened to you and tell me your story and how is your thing like let's listen once again to the to the story of god and his his saving love for sinners like let's listen to the old old story of jesus and his love and and trust and hold out the hope that even the worst of sinners who have done the most egregious of of sin sexual otherwise will actually still be given uh, the gift of repentance and redemption, and and that's all of that's lost. All of all of actual Christianity is lost when we, well, when someone embraces this type of of thinking. Um, and I think we are, uh, you know, we are rightly called to and responsible to flatly reject it. And and I'm grateful that our bishops have, and I'm grateful that you know our churches support uh, this. And I'm watching people being encouraged and 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 redeemed and restored by refusing to embrace this type of, of sort of intense navel, nasal, nasal, navel, navel gazing and, uh, and nasal gazing for that matter. Um, but also, um, and, and, and watching what happens when we lift the Lord up, you know, as I'm raised up, I'll draw him in unto myself, he says, and that is the, the counter opposite or the, 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 the total opposite of this type of thinking about the human person. And so we reject it. Yeah, I think people have said this before, but but the the present you know, queer ideology it's got so many antecedents in and Gnostic ways of thinking. Gnostics, you know, of course they had this divorce between the body and the spirit, and uh, the body was bad, the spirit's good. So you look within to see the divine spark. This is essentially the same thing. You 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 look within, you find, uh, identify yourself according to your sexual desires, and call that your imago dei, that that inner desire that you need, and that is fundamentally 
anti or sub-Christian, anti-Christian, whatever you want to call it, because, you know, we're, we're told that God, God sends his Holy Spirit to indwell us at the very depths of our soul. And, and Paul says one of the reasons he does that, one of the reasons the Holy Spirit comes to reside within us is to keep us from doing what we want to do. He says that That's right. The works of the flesh are evident. That's so, right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So, so the um, so far from looking within and seeing what you want to do and identifying with it, the the spirit's work in the Christian is to restrain that, is to keep that from being lived out and and expressed, and to keep the Christian from identifying with it. So this is this is a an antichrist kind right. of movement, um, teaching teaching Christians to do the very opposite. Of, or people who are professing to be Christians, to the to the very opposite of what the Holy Spirit within them, if they are Christian, is working to to do. That's right. Yeah, I mean, that's why the, the heart of it is simply unbelief. I mean, because God either is good and speaks speaks that which is good, even and especially when it contradicts my own ideas of what might be good. And given the choice, looking back over the long history of of his faithful dealing with my faithlessness, his merciful dealing with my sin, then I grow in my trust and my fear and admonition of him over the life. That's that's the life of the disciple. And so all of this is just referencing people who, um, you know, who are um, living, persisting and surrounding themselves with voices of unbelief or in their lives. You know, this quote unquote affirming people are simply the repetition and echo of the serpent from down through the ages. You know, they're there. God didn't really say that sex is to be reserved for marriage. He didn't really say that men and women are together his image. And therefore, when they come together in holy matrimony, they they bring souls into the world. They're, they're his, the pinnacle of his creation. He didn't say any of that. What he said was, you know, you do you, you know, go, go find yourself. I mean, this is Oswald Bayer, you know, this Greek word autopoiesis, you know, self-creation. I mean, this was the, this is the pinnacle of slavery. This is the freedom from which we have been delivered that Paul says in Galatians 5, for freedom Christ has set you free. Um, therefore don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. In part, that freedom is to the, the, the lie and the chains of self-creation. I mean, the misery, the hopelessness and the ultimate um, vanity of it all is just something, well, it breaks your heart to the point where you cannot affirm it and you may join the ministry in order to watch people be delivered from it. You know, it just may be the case that you, you know, I know y'all can speak to um, examples of this in your own ministry, whether it's, you know, bondage to sexual sin, to false ideologies about oneself, to just simple unbelief and blindness and hardness of heart the Lord can intervene and can actually redeem and restore. And sometimes that restoration looks like the, the limp the rest of your life. But nevertheless, it's a limp in, in service of and in the direction of the Lord who has gone ahead of you and is putting that hope of his resurrection in front of you. And that's something that we just will not let go. And to affirm any of this, to reject the bishop's statement and its sort of pastoral understanding, to, to accept and affirm this, at any point is to affirm all of it. And so we have to just simply reject it. We don't reject the people. We don't reject the real genuine confusion that many people feel. We don't feel reject any of the realities of sin, death, and the devil that it so easily entangles, as Hebrews says. Um, but we do know that the only antidote is not affirmation, but absolution, as it were. And that's what we will continue to hold out. And it may seem harmful because it's going to kill you, the law will. But that law will kill you in service of bringing you to new life through faith in Christ. I've been crucified with Christ, as Paul says. You know, I have had my own 
self-identity crucified and it has to be crucified and painfully often against my will crucified daily, not hourly. And that is something of the Lord's severe mercies in the life of a believer, but it is towards his good and to his renown. And that's just something we're not going to let go. Well, as we record this, the statement was just released yesterday. I'm sure this conversation will be ongoing. We'll see who shares it, what they say. We'll see if there is an opportunity to see who might sign on to this. That will certainly advance the conversation. Uh, but for now, thanks for listening to Stand Firm. If you want to keep the conversation going, you can be in touch, rate and review the podcast on iTunes, send us an email at mailbag at standfirminfaith.com or join the Anglicans for the Gospel Facebook group. Thanks to J.D. Koch and Matt Kennedy. I'm Nick Lannon, and Lord willing, we'll be back next week. Until then, by the grace of God and Jesus Christ, we'll be standing firm. Mm-hmm.